on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I did something that I had not done in many years, well over a decade. I went to a Patriots game. And I'm glad I did. This was the game they played against the Philadelphia Eagles, and as you Patriot fans will recall, it was one of the best games of the season, in the sense that it was highly competitive. It was one of the few games where the Patriots didn't completely annihilate their opponents. So it was an exciting game to watch. In fact, it took a touchdown halfway through the fourth quarter by Lawrence Maroney, and then a big interception with four minutes left by Asante Samuel to seal the deal, so to speak, and bring the Patriots a 31-28 win. And I must tell you, even though I am, as most of you know, a pretty big Green Bay Packer fan, I did root for the home team that night. And I will do it again, as long as they're not playing the Green Bay Packers. Which, of course, they might in the big game, the Super Bowl, because both teams certainly have the potential of reaching the Super Bowl this year. Now, when you go to a professional football game, be it at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, or at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, or at Giants Stadium in New York City, or in any other NFL park, what has to strike you is the number of men who are there. Now, I know a lot of women love football, and a lot of women go to these NFL games. But clearly, the majority of people in the stands every week are men. But these, you see, are not ordinary men. These are, yes, you've been, some of you, huh? These are manly men who are doing their best to look like manly men and act like manly men. For example, I don't know if you are aware of this, but these manly men have a contest, an unofficial contest, each and every week at each and every game to see who can string together the most four-letter words in one sentence. Because everybody knows that swearing is a manly thing to do. And of course you get extra credit if you swear at the fans of the opposing team. And I heard a lot of that because we were surrounded in the area I was sitting in by a lot of Eagle fans. But you see, you can't do that very effectively. You can't really swear up a storm, so to speak unless you have a little brown bottle in your hand. Or maybe a little brown bottle in each hand. I did see that as well. After all, only girly men stay sober for the whole game. By the way, somebody needs to tell the fans at Gillette Stadium that when Teddy Bruschi's name is announced over the loudspeaker, that doesn't mean it's time for another beer. See, the name is spelled B-R-U-S-C-H-I, not B-R-E-W-S-K-I. And then, as the, what I would say, is the ultimate expression of their manhood, it's imperative that these manly men make a 
manly mess in the restroom. Now, I try to work out every day for an hour at the gym. So I've been in a lot of locker rooms in my life. I've been in restrooms and stadiums and arenas all over the place. I have never seen anything like this. And I kid you not. I've never seen anything like this. You ladies are right to complain. Beer bottles. A mess. And this is a brand new stadium. Welcome to the world of men. Manly men. In the 21st century. And we wonder why we have so many cultural problems these days. Which brings us to the man. The main man in today's gospel. John the Baptist. Who, incidentally, would probably have enjoyed the Patriots-Eagles game a couple of weeks ago if someone had explained the game of football to him beforehand. But who definitely would not have been amused by all the extracurricular activities that went on before, during, and even after the game. John the Baptist would not have been amused because he was, as Jesus Christ said, the greatest man ever born of woman. You see, John the Baptist knew what it meant to be a real man, according to God's design. Obviously, that is something quite different from being a man according to the fashion of the world, which unfortunately is the kind of manhood that is embraced and lived out by a lot of the people who go to Patriots games and Packer games and Giant games and a lot of the men that we see throughout our society right now. First of all, John the Baptist was humble. And John the Baptist submitted himself to the authority of God, which is one of the marks of a real godly man. He wasn't filled with himself. He wasn't filled with pride and bravado, like so many guys at that Patriots game were. As John once said to his disciples, he, Jesus, must increase. I, John, must decrease. Please hear that, gentlemen. Real men, real godly men, love the Lord first in their lives. Real men, real godly men, make every effort every day to submit to God and to His law in a spirit of humility. They acknowledge an authority in their lives greater than themselves. Real godly men, in other words, are not ashamed of their faith. They're not ashamed of their love for the Lord, as John the Baptist was not ashamed of his faith and of his love for God. This means, among other things, that real godly Catholic men of the 21st century are not afraid to pray out loud, at Mass even. You know one thing that really upsets me? When I look out at a congregation and I see guys with their mouths shut. These are some of the same guys who would go to a Patriots game and yell, Yoo-hoo! Go get him, Brady! They can't even say a prayer to their Savior? Come on, guys. You're supposed to be leaders. Be men. 
It's what John the Baptist would tell you. John the Baptist was also willing to admit his faults, his sins, which is yet another quality of real godly men. Macho men pretend to be perfect. And you know why? Because macho men, manly men, are really afraid. They're afraid that if they admit their failings, other people will accuse them of being wimps, of being weak. Real godly men are not afraid to admit their imperfections, even to members of their own families, because real godly men are not afraid of reality. They know, like John the Baptist knew, that acknowledging personal sin is a sign of a man's integrity and inner strength. It's not a sign of weakness. Real godly men go to confession. Do you remember what John the Baptist said to Jesus when our Lord came to the Jordan to be baptized? He said, I should be baptized by you. In other words, you know and I know, Jesus, that I'm the sinner, not you. I'm the one who needs an inner cleansing, not you. And yet, isn't it ironic? Well, maybe it's not so ironic. Jesus called John the greatest man ever born of woman. See, believe it or not, being willing to admit his faults was a big part of what made John the Baptist so great. Real godly men also discipline themselves for their own sake and well-being, but also, even more importantly, for the sake of others, like John the Baptist did. We're told some interesting things in today's Gospel. We're told, first of all, that John wore clothing made of camel's hair. Oh, that's a lovely wardrobe, isn't it? There's a candidate for that program, what, what not to wear. <laughs> Uncomfortable clothing. And we're also told that he lived on a diet of locusts and wild honey. Uh, wild honey I could deal with. Locusts, not too sure. I will be much happier eating what I eat every day at my rectory, believe me. But you see, John the Baptist was a man of discipline. He disciplined himself physically by wearing these uncomfortable clothes, by eating unappetizing food in order to prepare himself to do God's work. He disciplined himself, in other words, for the sake of the people he was going to baptize and preach to and minister to. Let me tell you something. At the Patriots game the other night, I did not see too many men disciplining themselves for the sake of anybody. I didn't see too many of them disciplining their tongues, for example, or denying themselves when it came to the brewskis. In spite of the fact that there were a lot of impressionable children present, there were a lot of kids at that game. These men had the opportunity to discipline themselves for the sake of others, for the sake of giving a good example to the young people who had gone to see that game, but they didn't. At least a lot of them didn't. Real godly men also have 
a tender side. Especially when it comes to repentant sinners. Once again, like John the Baptist, they don't put on a false tough guy front. Now, real godly men can be firm, yes, when the circumstances require them to be. As John the Baptist was firm with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in this gospel scene. He was firm with them, incidentally, because he knew them pretty well. And he knew they were doing it for show. Not because they were really sorry. They were just going through the motions. Real godly men have genuine compassion for those who are hurting. And for those who sincerely repent of the sins of their past. It says here, again, something very interesting. It says that people, quote, from the whole region around the Jordan were going to John to receive his baptism as they confessed their sins. Now think about it. If John the Baptist had always been pointing fingers and condemning people, do you think he would have drawn such a crowd? Do you think everybody would have been rushing to the Jordan River? They would have been running the other way. Obviously, they went there because they felt welcomed and not condemned. You see, John the Baptist was a lion from the pulpit when he preached. And he was a lion when he confronted hard-hearted people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he was clearly a merciful lamb when he dealt with sinners who were really sorry for what they had done and who really wanted to change their lives for the better. And I'm convinced that was one of the biggest reasons why he was so popular. So gentlemen, in conclusion, I ask all of you, which do you want to be? Which do you really want to be? A manly man? who's cool in the eyes of the world, but a fool in the eyes of God. Or a man like John the Baptizer, devout, honest, humble, faithful, disciplined, strong, compassionate, loving. If you really want to be the latter, if you really want to be a man like John, you can prove it right now by getting on your knees. So if you're a man and you want to be like John, join me in praying and get on your knees, please, right now. And this applies to young men, too, because you are men. <laughs> and please repeat this prayer with me out loud. After all, real godly men are not afraid to pray out loud in front of other people since they're not ashamed of their faith and of their love for the Lord. And so repeat after me, St. John the Baptist, pray for me. St. John the Baptist, pray for me. You were the greatest man born of woman. You were the greatest man born of woman. So I know that you can help me. Pray that I will be a faithful disciple like you. Pray that I will be a faithful disciple like you. Pray that I will never be afraid. To express my love for Jesus Christ. Pray that I will always be strong in my Catholic faith. Even when those around me are weak. And when I fail. As I know I will. 
Pray that I'll have the humility to admit it. And the good sense to repent. Pray that I'll learn to love as you loved. And to sacrifice myself for others. As you sacrificed yourself for others. Pray that I'll be a real man. Pray that I'll be a righteous man. Pray that I'll be the man God wants me to be. Amen.